Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, Smarties. It has been a while since Steph and I have recorded just the two of us, so you'll hear us catch up on some major life events in this episode. Last week in episode 82, we talked about why some learners are rigid. And today, this is episode 83, we're going to talk about how to help those kids. If you haven't listened to episode 82, we'll link it in the show notes and you should definitely start there. Kids who are rigid are some of the most challenging and rewarding clients. We've been wanting to do this episode for a while since it's one of the ongoing conversations between us. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 83 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Kapp. And today we're talking about how to help kids who are rigid. This aren't we going to schmooze first? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you are so funny. So, Rach. Yes. Fill the people in. Okay, people. <laughs> it's funny stuff because I feel like we've alluded to this in other episodes, or I've said, or I've hinted in other episodes about what was kind of going on in my life. But we record out of order a lot. Yeah. So it's entirely possible that our audience already knows or doesn't know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't remember. I know. So the big news is my husband and I have purchased a home, which is a tremendous feat in California. And we're really, really grateful that this was an option for us. But what that meant was instead of living in the city of Los Angeles, we have moved to the San Fernando Valley. And as a person who grew up in the city, this is a huge adjustment for me. (laughs) Steph's laughing. (laughs) But, you know, the prices at homes in the city were just not in budget. And we really did want a backyard because the reason we really bought this house was because we want to get a dog. And it's really all about the dog. (laughs) So (laughs) we spent all this money so we could get a dog. Fair. So it happened really quickly and it's kind of a rather easy process for us compared to what we had been warned escrow would be like. And Steph, you've purchased property before. Don't you think we had a fairly... Yeah, you closed early. We closed early. (laughs) Who does that? We were hoping that we'd be able to move the first weekend of November. And we were. And I have not moved in eight years. I don't handle change so well. So (laughs) we moved five days ago now. And we're pretty much unpacked because we went from a one bedroom to a house. So... There's a lot more choice and options, which actually overwhelms me. I don't know if I told you this stuff. Having more choice of where to put things was really difficult for me. And I actually FaceTime our friend, Caitlin, who listens. Hi, Kate. (laughs) To kind of go over it. Caitlin is a master con Marie consultant. So like the Marie Kondo books. And I called her. I'm like, Caitlin, where do I put things? And I walked her through the whole house. And she's like, okay, this is what you do. Because sometimes I have decision fatigue and I just want to be told. Likewise for my kitchen. I might FaceTime Caitlin too. I think you should. Yeah. And then for my kitchen, my best friend Andrea came over. Andrea sometimes listens to the podcast, but only when I tell her that she's been mentioned in an episode. So (laughs) I'll be sure to let her know. (laughs) And I was like, okay, Andrea, where do I put things in the kitchen? 
And everybody keeps reminding me that it doesn't need to be in its forever spot right now. Yeah. But as I was texting you the other night, Steph, we've now officially realized my thesis statement, which is I want everything done yesterday. Yes. So I don't like in between and I don't like things not in their permanent spot and like knowing that I can change it, but I have changed things. Basically what I'm trying to say is the executive functioning of moving is really awful (laughs) and there's no good way of doing it. There's really not. Because when I was packing up stuff, you remember I was telling you, I was literally walking around the apartment not knowing what to do next. Yes. I literally was walking from spot to spot just looking at things. Yeah. Very confused about what should happen next. And a lot of texting you and Adam just being like, just do this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I understand. We always say that we do everything together but separate. So my move was kind of in motion. And then what happened, Steph? I decided to move, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Why bring this on myself? Well... I'm going to move really close to my office. It's going to be walking distance. It should be noted that you were like five minutes away car drive. Yes. And I was eight minutes away from my office prior to my move. Now it's going to be between 30 and 40 minutes. So I've moved further. And I moved closer. You're going to be able to walk. And there's a backyard for the dogs. It's all about these dogs for us. Yeah. I call them the boys. I don't really call them dogs. Anyway, so the boys are going to be very happy with the backyard, but I wasn't planning on it at all, and I just happened to see the sign. So then it happened, and I thought, if it's meant to be, it'll happen, and it happened. So I will have moved once this episode comes out, but it's a little less than two weeks away. Right. So I moved the first weekend of November. You're going to move the third weekend of November. So, yeah. So, the executive functioning of moving is something <laughs> very much. And listen, we all have rigidity somewhere. Yes. Okay. You're tying it in. For sure. Everybody has stuff that they're rigid about. And this is where rigidity comes out. With moving? Yeah, with moving. Because it's such a huge task. It's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. And one of the reasons is because of the unknown. Mm hmm because of anxiety, Mm -hmm. because of being unclear about stuff or confused or whatever. Yeah. Not knowing where things are. This is where I feel like I jump from task to task to task, and I'm not usually like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, I'll do this for a little while, and then this for a little while. Right. We kind of have opposite moving personalities, because normally I jump in and I just do. Yeah. And you're a little more thoughtful, or you need a little more direction. But when it comes to moving, I was just scattered. Uh-huh. And you're just jumping in. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I just have my four box daily requirement. Okay, so tell me about that. First of all, we're going to a conference this weekend. Mhm. The two of us, a business conference. So the weekend that would be like a major packing weekend you do not have. I do not have cuz I'm going to be gone. So I decided that I do best if I chunk it. Mhm. So I decided four boxes of some sort, Mm -hmm. is my minimum. Per day. Per day. Okay. Because it doesn't feel overwhelming and I can do it quickly. Last night, for instance, Mm -hmm. after I got home from work, I did the four boxes of my desk. Okay, hold on. I have some questions. Yes. 
You had enough in your desk to fill up four boxes? Well, one box was files. Why do you have files? Oh, because I have stuff from owning stuff. I have stuff from the boys' medical stuff because it's not digital. Stuff like that. Okay. Stuff that has to be in paper. Stuff that I might need financial that was paper. Mm-hmm. You know, one day, yes, I want it all digital, but it's mm-hmm. not there right now. Mm-hmm. and I can't take that on. And yeah, I had supplies and I had thank you note stuff and I had, you know, whatever. Before we like really got started with packing, I kept saying to you, I really don't think it's going to be that bad because we don't have that much stuff. Mm -hmm. And I will say it wasn't that bad packing things into boxes because we don't have that much stuff. And even when the movers came, I don't know. I don't think I told you. I really wanted validation that we had done a good job. Mm -hmm. And I figure the movers have seen it all. Mm-hmm. So when they walked in, the first thing I said was, did we do a good job? And they're like, oh, this is really good. You don't even have odds and ends out. Yeah. Because we had done a couple of loads to the house. So of uh, the stuff that was irregularly shaped or we didn't want it in a box. Yeah. And so I think kind of being more minimalist was helpful, but unpacking, I thought it was harder than packing up. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. I downsized to come into this house. Right. So... I got rid of some stuff, but a lot of stuff I just packed in because I knew that one day I would go to a bigger situation and that's what's happening. And they're not big boxes. They were little boxes. Like Okay, fair, fair. Not <laughs> Sorry, like huge old boxes. I feel like we really got off track because I'm judging how much you had, that you had four boxes worth in your desk. But it's a big desk and you don't have a desk. Right. Yeah. Yet. Yet. There will be an office. Okay. So another reason we bought the house, Steph and I have been talking about this for a really long time. We have to set up our podcast materials every single time. Yeah. And it takes three minutes, but whatever. It's a pain in the butt because you have to like tie this one thing onto something and it's always awkward. And both of us have talked about for a really long time, wouldn't it be nice if we could just leave our podcast stuff set up? Yes. And so I'm looking forward to that, to just having it ready to go. Me too. Which I did today. We recorded yesterday and I just left my podcast stuff on the floor. It was fun. Amazing. So back to Rigid Kids. Okay. Now that we've given you the life update that we moved (laughs) together, but separately. And we talked a long time. Sorry about that, guys. So the first thing that we always like to do when we're trying to reach any goal with any student is use language that is appropriate for the goal. So in this case, the language we like to use is literally the word rigidity and flexibility, sometimes cognitive flexibility. Mm -hmm. And Steph, why is that important to label? It's important to label because just like with anything, knowing what you're feeling and why you're feeling it is important. And knowing when you start to feel rigid and being able to identify it is the first step in being able to overcome it, right? Just like with anything. It's true. Sometimes the goal with a rigid kid is just getting them to tell you when they're feeling stuck Mm -hmm. or they're feeling rigid Mm -hmm. because now they're making the connection with what's happening and then they can move on to the next step of recovery. We both had kids in the practice that have been extremely rigid. Yeah. Been the goal is just to work on rigidity before we can even give them strategies because they dig their heels in really deep and to get them out can sometimes be impossible mm-hmm. in a session. It's a long-term goal. It is. So, you know, the things that we've talked about in the past on the podcast about using metacognition, which is thinking about thinking, 
and using growth mindset, which is the power of yet. Can you talk a little bit more about that? It's been a while since we've talked about growth mindset and we did talk about growth mindset in episode 39. Well, let's go back to having a fixed mindset in case you're unfamiliar with it. Having a fixed mindset is, I don't know how to do that, or I don't do that sometimes, right? right? And having a growth mindset is, I don't know how to do that yet. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just helping them reframe how they're approaching a task can make all the difference. You know, it's funny, as you were saying that, one of the conversations I was having with my team this week was that everybody was kind of having parents coming in saying, we have this assignment too. And the parents were saying it. Mm -hmm. And that's a mindset Mm -hmm. that the parent has the assignment to. No, they don't. Language is really important. So I was encouraging the team when the parents said the royal we. Mm -hmm. No, you've passed out of this class. They have (laughs) this assignment too. Yeah. So. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Fair. It's true too. Yeah. So now that we have labeled it Mm -hmm. and they know about it, what's the next thing? We want to make sure we're demonstrating flexibility ourselves. And I use this language a lot, particularly when we're creating systems. I let students know I struggle with being flexible about certain systems. Mainly calendaring, everything having to be in one place is really the predominant fundamental thesis statement of systems of how students are doing things. And I struggle with being flexible with that. So I use that language. And then when I am being flexible in moments that I can be, I say, I'm going to be flexible right now. Mm-hmm. We need to model what we hope our learner will do. And this is important also to coach families to use this language as well. Because Believe me, it's not just us who are experiencing the rigidity. Let's say that you are uber flexible to begin with because some parents are just uber flexible. Right. In these situations, you need to make up scenarios. Yeah. You need to make mistakes on purpose. And how do you recover? How do you change your mindset when you really wanted something and it didn't go the way you wanted it to go? This is really important also, not just for rigid kids. It's really important for kids who are perfectionistic also. Mm -hmm. Generally, there's a parent or somebody, an adult in their life that is also perfectionistic. And we have to coach those adults to make mistakes on purpose. It's intentional. It is. They normally don't make mistakes. Yeah. I'll say like, I need you to make some mistakes on purpose and let your kid observe how you're recovering. And I've had parents just look at me like a blank face and they simply say, I don't make mistakes. Well, you're going to (laughs) start. Yeah, it's important to make mistakes because when you're perfectionistic and not making mistakes, it, it adds fuel to the fire of anxiety. Yes. And you need to put some water on mm-hmm. fire, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? Mm-hmm. So if that means literally creating a mistake or a situation that might happen to you, but because you don't want to make the mistake, you knowingly create something yes, that you already have a fallback plan in place or something. Right. So you're making a perfect mistake. Yes. Make a perfect mistake if that's what you need to do. That's a perfect way of putting it. So Steph, what's another thing we as the professionals can do to help learners who are rigid? 
very small moments of flexibility, let's reward them. Let's have a party when it's a small moment of flexibility. You know, as we always say, success breeds success. You got to celebrate that small win that maybe somebody who's a little less attuned or less skilled wouldn't notice as a moment of flexibility. Yeah. Let's celebrate that and make a huge deal royally. (laughs) The royal week. Yeah, exactly. And it, it might be anything from like their favorite breakfast cereal is out. So this is all we have today. Mm hmm. Can you have that? And then we'll go to the store later. Their non-preferred breakfast cereal. Yeah. Or just not the one they wanted that day. Yep. Right? And so thank you for being flexible. Yeah. I often say that to kids in session. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being flexible. Because it feels good when somebody notices they really wanted to do something a certain way and they tried a different way. I love that. Yeah. It feels good to be acknowledged, to be seen. It does. So another strategy that we often take is we offer to take the blame. So a student who is rigid often has a million reasons why they're rigid. In fact, the episode that comes out today is like some of the reasons kids don't want to make changes when it comes to calendaring. Yeah. And we offer to take the blame a lot. Yeah. If the fear is that you're going to get in trouble for making a change or doing something differently, blame me. Yeah. Because it doesn't impact my life at all. Mm -hmm. And as an adult, I can explain to another adult what my thought process was and come to a resolution. And it's less pressure on the learner. My dad used to do this a lot when I was a kid. My mom did it too. Just blame me. Mm -hmm. Now I blame Adam, but he doesn't like that so much. (laughs) (laughs) So how do we practice? Mm -hmm. What are some ways? So... The first one, which you guys know is my favorite, is doing this within games. So the kids that are really, really rigid, and these are the ones that say in the middle of a game, that's not how you play, or those aren't the rules. Like if you're playing Uno, you know how that there was that recent thing in the news about how Uno said you're not supposed to take a card until you get one that you can put down. You're only supposed to take one. There's two schools of thought on that. And Mm -hmm. some kids, I've been playing with them, and they've been rigid about one way or another. And so when I'm doing this, I pick a favorite game or a game that they know really well and have them change a rule. Or we each change a rule. Yep. This is actually much more difficult than you would think for some of these rigid kids. Just changing something that they know how it goes or how it's written can be very uncomfortable. But it could be a small change or adding a fun rule or something that they want. Or I do a spinner uno and you write these rules down. And that one's really fun because you have to write your own rules in. So that becomes a perfect segue. It's part of the game to actually write some of your own rules in. What else, Rach? So another way we can practice is to change the end of something that's familiar. So a familiar story, a familiar movie, a familiar TV show, and either have the student write out what the alternative ending could be or tell you verbally. And this can be a thought exercise. So if you have a student who's a reluctant writer, 
be selective about how you do this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can have them draw the alternative ending too, but you just want them to change something that they view as concrete. Yep. The next one is practicing predictions. You know that we have talked about this before when we're reading. We always talk about making predictions, but sometimes this is a really great way if you're in the middle of a book. Sure, it's very easy to pause, but it could also be during a movie or a TV show that you're watching and you can pause it and ask for a prediction because if you as a family say, this is what I predict and this is what I predict, they can see that there are multiple ways things can happen. And what might end up is that it's a combination of everybody's is what actually happens in the story or the movie, for instance. And this helps them go back if you have them recall what they were predicting, etc. It just helps. Another really, really easy way to practice is to take a different route when you go on a walk or drive somewhere. An awesome idea for families to do at home. It's what do you always say? It's small investment, big reward Mm -hmm. on something like that. You're showing that there's multiple ways physically of getting to the same destination. Mm -hmm. But again, if you're doing something like this, speak out loud that you're doing it in order to be flexible and say out loud, I'm doing this to show that there's multiple ways of getting to the same destination. We want to be very, very explicit with rigid kids. Yeah. And, you know, that could be if you take your kids to the supermarket, you go to a different one or start at a different end of the store than you usually do. Right. Or whatever it is that you can just change up a little bit is going to help the rigid kids tremendously as they keep practicing. Yep. So be sure to join us in our Facebook group, the Smarties of the Learn Smarter Podcast Facebook group. We'll throw up a post there about what are some other ways that we can help our learners be flexible. We'd love to hear the strategies that y'all have to offer and what has worked for your families or your learners or for yourself when you have moments of flexibility. We hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Have a great week, Smarties.